0: Welcome to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. I'm Sami Zaydan. International diplomatic efforts are underway to try and end the fighting in Ethiopia. Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed has been locked in a year-long battle with Tigrayan rebels who've threatened to seize the capital Addis Ababa. So who, if anyone, can mediate the crisis and prevent the country falling into civil war? All right, let's bring in our guests into the show. We have joining us from Addis Ababa, Samuel Getacho. He's a journalist in Nairobi, William Deverson. He's the senior Ethiopia analyst in the International Crisis Group. And in Lagos, Emmanuel Kwezi anning the director of research at the Kofi Annan International Peacekeeping Training Center. Welcome to you all. If I could start with Kwezi then. So first of all, is there still time, Quasi, for the US, the, e, uh, the AU to broker that ceasefire?
1: Well, I think every partner, every mediation partner that is acceptable to both, both parties uh, who seeks to broker some initial agreement that will bring the parties around the negotiation table is very useful. But even more critical is the role of the, of the African Union. I know and I do recognize that it is in a very tight corner between the rock and the hard place. It is host to the, or it is a guest to the people of Ethiopia, and it needs to work this very tight rope to bring the parties together. I know earlier efforts have been rejected. Um, There are suspicions around the present initiative. But I think the African Union must by all means become one of the critical criticalness in trying to bring the multiplicity of warring factions together. Because in the long in but, the in the question, can they um, still do it? Is
0: there time or has that window
1: closed? Well, there isn't much time. The 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 opposing forces have Laid down the gauntlet, and there's very little time. The forces seeking to come into Addis think that they have the momentum on their side. The rhetoric from Addis shows increasing desperation, and I think there will be a lot of hardcore forces within the Tigrayan and Oromia forces who would want a quick and decisive entry to add this, that certainly right. would be a disaster.
0: Right. So right. time is not on
1: our side at all. Running,
0: time is running out. Before we go into the situation on the ground, let me bring William into the chat and ask this question. William, right now there's quite a number of diplomatic efforts going on. How aligned are the interests of international powers in Ethiopia right
2: now? Oh, I don't think that's a, a major part of the, the problem here, whether it's... Um the EU envoy, um, US envoy, uh, President Kenyatta and the Kenyan government. And then also we see the um, OCHA chief, Martin Griffiths, as well. I think they're all pushing broadly in the same direction here. They want to see the humanitarian situation addressed. And that needs to come through a ceasefire and negotiations. The problem is any external actor, um, really, you're getting any traction with the Ethiopian protagonists here. the, you know, the Tigray leadership now thinks they're in a commanding military position, therefore adopting an increasingly hardline position, even suggesting that there's no real room for negotiations with Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed now. And of course, you know, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed has, and his government have been resistant to the idea of negotiations from the outset. Um, they said that that uh, Tigray leadership has you know, committed treason essentially and, and launched an insurrection. In May, they classified them um, as a terrorist organization. Um, and as we've seen these uh, increasing uh, military victor- victories that have you know, put the, the Tigray leadership in this bullish mood, all we've seen from Addis Ababa is a doubling down, um, calls for all-out mobilization and a state of emergency, and at the moment, no sign of a recourse to negotiations. But that really does threaten to be um, you know, particularly destabilizing, um, partly because you know, the, the war could come to Addis Ababa. Um, That could have knock-on incredibly serious effects for for Tigrayan citizens, not least in the forms of increasing state repression and perhaps mob violence. Therefore, at International Crisis Group, we think more than ever there is a need for Abiy Ahmed's federal government to take action to really facilitate aid to Tigray rather than choke it. We've just seen the arrest of 70 World Food Programme contractors in Samara, a key point on that. Um, aid route. We also need to see the federal government unblock services. Uh, people are running out of cash in Tigray or have run out of cash because there is no banking services, no telecommunications, no electricity. If the federal government takes these measures, that might convince the Tigray leadership to stop their advance. Otherwise, they look to press on, first by trying to take control of the Djibouti corridor and choking Addis Abba. Then if they do not get the concessions they want and things continue to go their way militarily, they will press on towards Addis Ababa um, with their, in, in alliance with the Oromo Liberation Army. And again, that you know, threatens to create you know, huge amounts of destabilization in Addis Ababa and potentially beyond.
0: All right, so it does look like momentum is against peace efforts for now. Let's get the perspective from Addis Ababa. And Samuel, as William noted there, that the rebels feel like things are on their side. What is the perspective from inside Addis Ababa? Do people have any genuine hope that maybe peace and a ceasefire can be achieved? Or are they resigned to some kind of standoff, military standoff in Addis Ababa now?
3: Overall, Ethiopians are really endorsing the idea of peace. Ethiopians are peace-loving people. It's It's a founding nation that founded the African Union. Um, And I I believe Ethiopians overall do support the idea of peace, but they also want Ethiopia to be recognized as an independent nation that can decide on its own with an advice from its friendly nations. Uh, But overall, um, you know, Addis Ababa has been really, uh, since the beginning of last week, uh, been concerned and worried about what's about to happen. The uh, local government said, uh, you know, they told the residents to register their arms um, and also defend their neighborhoods. That's very vague, and that scares a lot of us. Uh, But overall, um, I think as we've seen, uh, you know, it's uh, again, this conflict is a wage issue among Ethiopians. Um, You either like it or hate it, and you can only see the kind of uh, conversation that's been happening. That's as toxic as it gets on social media. Hmm. But Ethiopia is an important nation. It has a population of uh, more than 110 million people. Uh, It's a diplomatic capital of uh, uh, Africa. Um, And I mean, I don't see, I don't think anyone would want anything but peace for this country. And the African Union envoy has said there is a small window of opportunity. I think that should be pursued. And peace needs to come to this region. And what happens in Ethiopia will affect other neighbouring nations as well.
0: Kwezi, what strings do international powers have left now to pull on the different parties at war? We've already seen the UN has been pleading for access, humanitarian access. The US has removed its uh, favoured trading status for Ethiopia. Still, the parties seem like they want to go at it.
1: This is a family war. Republics are saying there are issues of identity, there are issues of personality, there are issues of power, um, game, there are issues of ethnicity involved. You know, so I think f- for from the perspective of both sides, the drive to win a decisive victory is there. And, and I think the the temporary halt basically in in, in in these conflicts is to to get more weapons, to ramp up the propaganda, to get more people um, to sign up to the war itself.
0: All right. Apologies, obviously, we're having a bit of difficulty with the connection there to Kwazi. Let's continue with our other guests, though. And I guess, William, I've got to ask the question of, what would it take at this point to convince the opposition Not to go for the capital because it it does feel like they are very confident and eager to have a go at Addis Ababa.
2: Well, as I suggested earlier, um, I think given the the military situation um, as as we understand it, it does seem like something needs to be put on the something concrete needs to be put on the table to to stop um, continued pressure. I think that pressure initially would come. um, I mean, there's current efforts by the Tigray. Uh, commanders to try and uh, take control of the the Djibouti trade route, therefore put economic pressure on on Addis. Um, And I think, you know, unless there are those sorts of measures um, really to try and facilitate aid to Tigray, where there's hundreds of thousands of people in sort of famine conditions. um, But William, what kind
0: of pressure, what are those measures that the international community could Take right now to convince the opposition, who are not far from Addis Ababa, who feel
2: they have momentum on their side, to pull back. That's that's what I'm talking about. There, there isn't there isn't any leverage. So nothing basically. The leverage, if it exists, needs to be applied on the federal government to encourage them to take action to relieve what the federal what the Tigray leadership considers to be a siege of the region, which is threatening to kill hundreds of thousands of people in the region. Now, unless that sort of action is taken, then it is likely that the Tigray leadership will press on in the manner that I'm describing. The alternative is that the federal government and its allies tries to win the war. But in the last few months, they seem to have been losing the war. So the issue is that there isn't really that much pressure being applied by the international community. They don't have that much pressure. Also, if you look at the statements coming out of, for example, The United Nations Security Council the other day, there are all these um, suggestions, um, urging um, for the Tigray leadership to return back to Tigray and stop fighting. But the Tigray leadership is fighting in its own mind, according to its own justifications, to try and overcome this siege, to try and reclaim territory that they lost to Amhara region at the outset of the war, and to remove what they see as existential security threats to Tigray. Now, it's understandable that people want them to stop fighting, but they made the decision to go on the offensive in July after removing the federal military from Tigray and the Eritrean military in June. And that is the reality of the situation we have it.
0: William, here. let me and jump I, in there and ask you this question, though. If, According to that scenario, if the siege is lifted uh, by the, the central government forces on Tigray and they uh, are under less pressure... Would that encourage, would that really encourage the TPLF and its allies to pull back if they're under less pressure and they're in a stronger position? Or would that encourage them to go further and say, well, why not finish the job?
2: Um, I think it would be, um, it would make a, create a very strong case for the international community, just as they're placing pressure on the federal leadership to make those sorts of meaningful concessions to try and save hundreds of thousands of lives in Tigray. I think they would also be in a very strong position to put pressure on the Tigray leadership to stop their advance, stop trying to achieve regime change, which could be incredibly destabilizing in terms of the war coming to Addis Ababa. It could also catalyze you know, further state repression and mob violence against Tigrayan civilians. I think at this stage, you know, it, it certainly is the sort of course of action that should be achieved. Um, I also acknowledge you know, where your question is coming from. We have seen a particularly bullish positioning from the Tigray leadership talking about no negotiations with Abiy Ahmed and his allies. But I think you know, given how critical and how dangerous this situation is, what needs to be done is to place that pressure on the federal leadership to, take some, to make those concessions in terms of humanitarian. Right. access and restoring the services to Tigray and then put the pressure on the Tigray leadership to show some restraint here.
0: Okay, interesting point. Let's take it to uh, Samuel then if we could. Samuel, do you think the central government wants that sort of negotiated uh, resolution or ceasefire at least? Does it want the sort of preconditions, perhaps even power sharing arrangements that might have to prevail if they lift their siege of Tigray and they give some space to the TPLF?
3: I do not think so. Uh, the Ethiopian side has already said the TPLF is a terrorist organization, ha, ha, as, you know, they've declared them as such, and the TPLF has said the Ethiopian side is creating some form of genocide. I don't see them sitting down and negotiating, but you know, the African Union has been, for the most part in the continent, has been irrelevant in the past. But, you know, the window of opportunity that this president, the president of uh, the former president of uh, Nigeria, the African Union invoice said is really a historic moment, not just for Ethiopia, but also for the African Union to really get in and make a difference. You know, at the beginning of his appointment, the TPLF was against his appointment because they said he is so much uh, in line with the Ethiopian side, but he went to Tigray spoke to the leadership of uh, TPLF, he came to Addis Ababa and spoke to the Prime Minister. He went to Amhara region, Afar region, where much of the conflict has been happening in the recent weeks. Um, You know, as you know, the Tigray conflict is no more within the region. It's also in Amhara and Afar. And when you have that kind of personality that's willing to be engaged and vice versa from the main actors, I think there's a window of opportunity that shouldn't be missed. Um, I don't think, I think all actors recognise the fact too many people are dying in Ethiopia. Millions of people are being displaced. Let, let me Something jump in, Samuel. If that what, window of opportunity... What is saddening about this conflict... L- listening to what is William idea said, that uh, sexual could, could, has defined If I could
0: it. jump in, Samuel, if you can hear me. If that window of opportunity hinges, according to the analysis by William at least, sure. on pressure being brought on the Ethiopian government to lift the siege, to try and improve conditions in the Tigray region. If that window is based really on what the central government decides to do, and if, as you said, you don't think the central government wants to go
3: down that road, is there really a window that's open here? Well, there is an opening. Um, it's been seen by the african Union envoy. But let me just address the United States for a moment. It's a, it's a great nation. Ethiopia and the United States have had a strong uh, relationship for many, many years. Does, does but Samuel, the reality is when they call the on...
2: An unblocking of aid to Tigray and a restoration of service to try and achieve the peace he keeps talking about. Do you think that aid should be facilitated, not choked okay. to Tigray, that banking services should resume electricity, telecommunications to try and stop the Tigray leadership pushing forward to Addis Ababa? It's a really simple question. All right,
0: let's give Samuel a chance to answer that then. Go ahead, Samuel. Okay, thank you,
2: William.
3: Okay, let me just. um, There's an assumption from the United States whenever there's sanction in such countries like Ethiopia, when they cancel a trade agreement that really benefits the poorest among us, mostly young women, it doesn't pressure the Ethiopian government to come to a table and negotiate. The United States has to play a role in Ethiopia. I understand. I get that. I mean, the U.S. is a powerful nation. It, it afforded okay, my own father the,
0: question, the education sorry, Sandra, that the he needed that when he was a young man. I have, but have the reality, is is the as well US as William, if, w- is really tra- regarding trade, whether you think trade, the, the central authorities should be willing to ease the situation in Tigray. Would that help?
3: Of course. Of course. Uh, but there's also an argument from the Ethiopian side that the TPLF is playing a role. Just look at the report that came out with, from the Amnesty International today accusing TPLF troops of sexual exploitation. So this kind of accusation, as reflected by the United Nations and the Ethiopian Human Rights Commission, says all actors are involved they all have to play their roles so right. we can have peace. So the idea to focus on one side and blame one side only is just okay. as foolish as I think as we've it got a minute left. I'm and going to try and give 30 Ethiopia.
0: seconds to each guest very quickly. First, William, in 30 seconds, what would a bigger civil war in Ethiopia mean for the rest of the region? In 30 seconds, William.
2: Well, I mean, I think the, um, you know, Ethiopia is obviously the, the, the vital country in the Horn of Africa. We already see a raging civil war. Um, Forget, you know, the loss of tax breaks for exporters to the U.S. We already have a devastated country, a devastated economy. We have no idea how many thousands of people have have died or could die, particularly as a result of this siege. We see um, allegations of of rape and other atrocities against the Tigrayan troops. We've also seen those against the. So if this continues, then, of course, it could be destabilizing the horn of
0: Okay, and let me give a quick 30 seconds on the same question to Samuel. What will it mean for the rest of the region, for Somalia, for Eritrea
3: and and so on? It means more uh, refugees will be heading to neighbouring countries. There will be famine. There will be a breakup of relationship from, you know, countries that can really have benefits. It's, you know, the benefit, the relationship between Ethiopia has always seen us Uh, helping Ethiopia all the time. But the the benefits has to be two-way forward. And there has to be a way to understand the side of Ethiopia, the side of the TPLF, and really bring these two partners to a peaceful negotiation will be be beneficial not only to Ethiopia, to the neighboring nations, but to the European nations that will be soon getting much of the migrants that will be heading their way.
0: All right, let's uh, thank our guests uh, for joining us on this show. William, Samuel, and of course, Kwesi earlier on. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Jennifer Bragg, Maha Barada, Rahman Warsami, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Sentil Marimutu. The program was edited by Leroy Messina, Lynn Nguyen, and Jody Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Thursday.